0: Hi everyone! Welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Ambulatory Podcast Series. In this podcast, we will talk about the diagnosis and management of venous thromboembolism. Our goal is to discuss the definitions, clinical manifestations, diagnoses, and management of VTE. Number one Definitions. Venous thromboembolism, or VTE, refers to the presence of a blood clot in the venous system. The two primary syndromes in VTE are deep vein thrombosis, or DVT, and pulmonary embolism, or PE. DVTs can be superficial, or deep. However, the more relevant for us is going to be the deep thromboembolism due to its complications. There are several ways to classify DVTs. First, we can consider the location having two main possibilities, a proximal DVT located in the papillial, femoral, or iliac veins, and a distal DVT usually present distally to the papillial vein. Second, if a precipitant event or condition is causing VTE, we can classify them into provoked and unprovoked. Provoked factors are divided into transient and persistent. Transient factors can be subdivided into major factors, including major surgery lasting more than 30 minutes, immobilization more than 3 days, and C-sections, and minor factors such as minor surgery lasting less than 30 minutes, immobilization less than 3 days, pregnancy, and estrogen therapy. Persistent risk factors can be reversible, such as curable malignancy, inflammatory bowel disease, and others and irreversible, such as non-curable malignancy, inherited thrombophilia, chronic heart failure, and others. That's a lot of definitions. Number two, clinical manifestations. Patients with DVT usually present with tenderness, warmth, erythema, edema, and possibly a palpable cord or dilated veins in the affected area, usually the calves. Patients with PE present in different ways, but usually with shortness of breath, cough, pleuritic chest pain, syncope, and palpitations. Number three, diagnosis of VTE. A diagnostic approach that incorporates estimation of pretest probability, such as the Wells score or Gestalt is recommended. When D-dimer is elevated or the pretest probability is high, Doppler ultrasonography should be used. A positive result in ultrasound rules in the disease and a negative result rules it out. D-dimer levels can be elevated in multiple conditions such as arterial thromboembolism, like seen in a myocardial infarction, stroke, acute limb ischemia, also in inflammatory conditions, surgery, trauma, liver disease, malignancy, and pregnancy. In situations in which we expect D-dimer to be elevated, the recommendation is to go directly to ultrasonography for the diagnosis of DBT. The diagnosis of PE is usually made with a chest CT angiogram, a VQ scan, MRA, or catheter-based pulmonary angiography. In addition, testing for DVT can have a role in PE mainly when other tests are not available or contraindicated to confirm the presence of a DVT that will justify the initiation of therapy. Number four, management of VTE. Anticoagulation is the mainstay therapy for VTE. Isolated distal DVTs need therapy when they are symptomatic or if there is a high risk for extension to the proximal venous system. That will be in patients with active malignancy, immobilization, a thrombus size of more than five centimeters in length, or multiple affected veins, and when the thrombus location is close to the proximal system. Ultrasound surveillance in two weeks to confirm an isolated distal DVT or to monitor its extension can be used to decide the need for anticoagulation. Patients with proximal DVT need anticoagulation unless there is a contraindication. In those situations, an IVC filter could be considered. Anticoagulation should be started immediately to prevent potentially life-threatening embolization. Options for treatment include DOACs such as rivaroxaban, apixaban, and edoxaban, low molecular weight heparins, unfractionated heparin, fondaparinux, Warfarin, and direct thrombin inhibitors such as argatroban. Importantly, argatroban, edoxaban, and warfarin need an initial bridging therapy with a second anticoagulant. DOAX have several advantages. There is no need to monitor laboratory results when compared to warfarin, there is less drug to drug interactions, they come in oral formulations, and there are no dietary restrictions with DOAX. In addition, they are the preferred agents for most patients, including those with cancer, as recent studies have shown non-inferiority and even superior outcomes compared to low molecular weight heparins. DOACs are not recommended for patients with a creatinine clearance of less than 30, severe liver disease, pregnancy, and a BMI above 40 or a weight above 120 kilograms. High cost can be a significant barrier for certain patients since DOACs are expensive. Bleeding reversal agents are now available for all DOACs, for example, idarucizumab for dabigatran and Andexanet-alpha for the factor Xa inhibitors, although their availability may be limited. Duration of therapy for an isolated DVT or provoked DVT is generally 3 months. However, therapy could be continued in high-risk patients in a case-by-case basis. After three months of anticoagulation for patients with provoked or isolated DVT, the risk of recurrence is less than 3.3%. Therefore, the American Society of Hematology guidelines recommend stopping anticoagulation at this point. However, anticoagulation should be continued on a case-by-case basis depending on the thrombotic risk. Finally, Evaluation of a hypercoagulable disorder and malignancy is controversial after a first episode of VTE. Patients younger than 45 years old or with one or more first-degree relatives with documented VTE before the age of 45 should be tested for all five inherited thrombophilias, including protein C and S deficiency, factor V Leiden, antithrombin, and prothrombin deficiency, as well as for antiphospholipidic syndrome. Thank you for listening. Please follow our podcast in Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We will see you in the next episode.